With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102 if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Dial of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern, 7 to 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every night on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the Best of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon on Fox Sports Radio. Here in Los Angeles, also many questions. After this next World Series loss, what happens with Clayton Kershaw? Two years left on his deal. John Paul Morosi, our buddy, joins us each week. Dodgers appear interested in retaining Clayton Kershaw on terms that are different from the existing two years and $65 million left on his deal. So they've decided to extend to 4 p.m. on Friday whether he's going to stick in Los Angeles and they'll come to terms on an extension or whatever new money's they decide to work with, but they decide to push that decision off. Really thought we'd be breaking that right off the jump. All right, let's talk about it. But for Clayton Kershaw, as, as Jason and I have talked about, as you and I have talked about, Dan, you got a lot of factors working in here with his health, with what he's meant to this organization, how much are you looking at history? And you're always wondering, with each organization, as much as you focus on the now and the analytics, and I know that's become a bad word, it's become a pejorative People get nervous and get all frustrated. It's like when you say something about politics. You say the word politics, and all of a sudden it's like, uh-oh, where are we going? Yeah, I just cringed. Now you, yeah, now, so now <laughs> I, you say analytics, it now yeah. does the same thing to people. But the idea that it's a different era for the most part in our professional sports where you're not looking at that friendly good goodbye hug of, hey, let's give you another couple of years because you meant a lot to the organization. You've been a wonderful guy for us. 
that you don't necessarily get that walk off anymore like you used to. No, but but it doesn't it all just come down to Clayton Kershaw's decision for for That's whatever it. the team's needs may be, right. whatever the Dodgers may want to do. This is a Clayton Kershaw decision and a Clayton Kershaw only decision, and it was his decision to continue to talk with the Dodgers on what we think is going to be a new restructured contract uh, with the team. However, Clayton Kershaw could have just said, "All right, I'm in. I, I'm in." And in and how many sitcoms and how many times in life have we said, "Make a pros and cons list." We, we you see it in TV. Let's you know what Jimmy. You know if you don't know what to do, make a pros and cons list. Let's see what you know the outcome or what the consequences could be of your decision in Clayton Kershaw's case Mike there were very few I don't know routes to take of opting out that would have been good for Clayton Kershaw if I opt out I could get more money that was basically it opting in stay with the team that I'm with I'm guaranteed 65 million dollars I don't have to move the family do a lot of those things maybe you could say I could go back to Texas but that that could be an right. option but that that's really about it. So I would think when you look at Clayton Kershaw and what he had to decide and where the where, where these signs are pointing on this news and we can read between the lines, it's it seems like Clayton Kershaw is going to be there for the Dodgers. And I think that's the best case scenario. No matter if Clayton Kershaw is going to be the same Clayton Kershaw that he was or he's a, a now an older version of it, there just didn't seem to be a lot of options for me, Mike, that saw Clayton Kershaw opting out of this contract and not being a Dodger in 2019. Yeah, I think one of the things, you know, as you break down, you, you talk about the pros and cons list. You're looking at in that round where he was shifted away from being the number one starter. Was that enough to wound his pride? Was that enough to say, hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not the loved guy anymore. And that, all right, in Texas, I become the big guy. And, and maybe I get the long-term deal. It's probably a, the a, annual value is going to go down based on the injury history now, the age starting to... to up, but if you want another five guaranteed, maybe the Dodgers aren't willing to do that. Maybe Texas is just to have that name and have him come sure. home, and then we can have when the Rangers play whomever, we can see the Matthew Stafford and Clayton Kershaw pictures at that point instead of every Dodger game <laughs> when he starts. But then we have the, sorry, I got to throw that in because it's one of my favorites. We'll get into Andy Reid later, I'm sure, at some point. But the, the fact that, and his pass, kick, and punt. <laughs> <laughs> video every, that, every that whenever we game. can get yes. that in we, we get that in but for Clayton Kershaw you know is is his pride wounded enough because it is his decision right the team may have its own decision of all right we're doing all this and th this is how the matchups play up but it's uh, ultimately up to him to decide all right do I like this and the other thing is still you've got a really good team with a shot at winning yeah if you leave which contender legitimate contender is out there that might give you the dollars you want, the years you want, and everything else to make it worth, as you say, move your family, move all of your base of what you've been doing off the field, right? Because Clayton mm -hmm. Kershaw is very active in the community. I don't know how much people nationally necessarily know, but he's a fabric, like part of the fabric of the city and does a lot of, a lot of big things and for a while was the lone face of this team. Now you've got a lot of, a lot of guys that, that step forward, but Clayton Kershaw is your long-tenured veteran who's got a lot of skin in the game. Can he go win somewhere else? Well, I'll tell you what. In the National League, it's a lot more likely than the American League. And if you're going to go to, if you're going to the, and I'll just, if you're going to the Texas Rangers. It's a cash grab. Yeah, not, yeah. You're, you're <laughs> battling the Astros in that division. You're battling the world champion Red Sox and Yankees in that league. Doesn't make a lot of sense. If you want to stay in the 
where the path of least resistance is when it comes to leagues in Major League Baseball would be the National League. That's where you would go. And where are you going to go in a spot that is better than L.A. that sets you up for maybe getting back to that point? Do you take a chance to have the Cubs? Maybe the Cubs. Like, it just it doesn't fit. Like, we only thought that Clayton Kershaw would maybe leave to try to go back home, and that would put him in the American League. You're, the, the point about winning a title is something that's, I think, really big. I don't think of being the man anymore is a factor in this for two reasons. Number one, he's really been the man not only on his team, but in baseball as the best pitcher for the last eight years. Like it's been, you know, we've had Sale, we've had Kershaw. I mean, uh, excuse me, we've had Scherzer. You know, we've had guys Strasburg that we've talked about. Verlander, obviously, in that conversation mm-hmm. as well. But there was never a doubt that Clayton Kershaw was one of the best, if not the best, pitcher in Major League Baseball. He's had that for the last eight years. The only thing that's missing is the World Championship. So I don't think of being a big fish in a small pond or even a big fish in a big pond is any ways on his mind anymore. He's done that. He's been that to the league for pitching-wise over the last 10 years. I think it's just all about what I'm, pay me what I'm worth, and as long as I'm comfortable and we have a chance to win, I'm good. And I think that's what this latest news shows with Clayton Kershaw. I got to think on some degree, though, starting the playoffs, there was a push to get him salty. And, and there was a different Clayton Kershaw to the media, a little more terse, a little more direct in terms of how he operated, you know, discussing the matter. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, the disappointment, you know, I've got to be over it because i got to go do my job. Yeah. It, it tweaked him. I mean, it, there's certainly something to it. And it, look, everybody goes through this, right? We, we talk about it in the NFL all the time. When's a, a receiver admit that he's no longer that A, that number one option on a team? And a lot of the number one guys never allow themselves to become a two. And so instead, they're out of the game mm-hmm. instead of adapting. And for Clayton Kershaw, I mean, you still had a, what, a 2.73 ERA, 9 and 5, but you're missing time consistently. So you've got a plan for that. So any would-be suitor out there, that's part of the calculation and all of this. And, you know, I, I don't know that he's a guy that is going to be too overly concerned about Walker Bueller or Ryu or whatever. That it's not going to weigh, that's not going to be the only mm-hmm. factor that pushes him. But going into the playoffs, I have to think there was something to that because there, there was just a, a different mannerism, it seemed. Or at least that was the appearance outside in. Walker Bueller's a different story. And I know you guys talked a lot about when Ryu got the start of the divisional series in game one against uh, Atlanta, and then it was Kershaw in game two. That to me is <laughs> Kershaw's better than Ryu. It's the future of Walker Bueller, that of being sure. that, that number one guy. That would be the no, that right. would be the thing to trump of him being the number one. Bueller's on the track of being the number one. And you know what? Sometimes being the number two guy is okay, when then all of a sudden, guess what? You're number one again. And I brought up Justin Verlander's role with the Houston Astros when he was acquired last year. It's not that Verlander wasn't good. He just wasn't the the Verlander that I think we remembered. And you're like, oh, they got Dallas Keuchel. He's, you know, one of the top Houston pitchers. And then when it comes down to brass tacks in the playoffs, guess what? Here you go, Justin. No, Do different, thing. different yeah. guy, right? With, with the playoff medal and playoff experience. Because anybody that had watched Justin Verlander, you'd had a couple of years of, wow, is that, that's the guy? Because remember, the Dodgers mm-hmm. were kicking the can, and whether they yeah. went where him, instead, they went to you, Darvish, and obviously, well, we all know how, how that coin flip ended up. But when, when you're looking at the couple of years prior to the acquisition by the Astros, Verlander wasn't 
the same yeah. for Lander. The ERA was up. Not he at all. He was imminently more hittable. Uh, you had all those things that, that came into, into that factor. Plus, you're looking at a bloated contract, or at least that was the appearance. Now you get the World Series title, and it's a final. But in the moment, like that was a big consideration. All right, he's 34 years old. Here's how much is left on the deal, et cetera. But for Clayton Kershaw, now you've got the injury thing that is part yeah. of anything that teams have to consider. It's the only concern, but the Dodgers with their payroll, to be honest, can absorb it a lot easier than any no, other that, team in baseball. But that's the, yep. that's the other part of it, right? They print money. So, you know, the, the cash consideration to me is by, by far the lowest of any of it. Like, that's, yeah. that's just shaking yep. out more nickels when it all comes down <laughs> to it. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We're updating you over the exploits of Derek Rose and his historic return to glory tonight for the Timberwolves in what was a, a fascinating game to watch on many levels, but certainly his performance is one that we're going to remember as this NBA season goes on, particularly with the Jimmy Butler saga continuing and the ebb and flow and the anger and vitriol that continues to flow up. And for Derrick Rose, it was a night to remember. Second free throw by Rose. He got it! He's got a career-high 50! 50 points for Derrick Rose! Wolves Radio Network on the call. You look at the final 50 points, career-high, 19 of 31 from the field, Dan. 8 of 11 from the foul line, 4 of 7 from three-point range, 4 rebounds, 6 assists. Did have 6 turnovers, but a throwback to 2011, the MVP season, and on a night where, let's face it, it's all about negativity. There's the Jimmy Butler, what is his sitting down, operation shutdown, Derek Bell style mean. He's still there, right? Still in the building, and that's great. But on the whole, it becomes the question of, well, does it finally force the Timberwolves ownership hands to just say, you know what? This team can compete without him. Let's figure out what the best deal is and let's move on with our lives. It's funny on how things happen because Jimmy Butler, we believe, sat out voluntarily on Wednesday night to not play against right. the Utah Jazz. Jeff Teague, the Timberwolves point guard, was out because of a knee contusion. So now you take out Teague, you take out Jimmy Butler and his awful stinking attitude. And now you put in Derrick Rose and you have a night like this. It's funny how things work. And if Jeff Teague is healthy tonight, Mike, this probably doesn't happen. Right. If Jimmy Butler has a healthy attitude, this probably doesn't happen. But it is so great to see a great story overshadow the garbage that has been in the Twin Cities involving Jimmy Butler and the Timberwolves. 128-25, your final. Uh, Rose in tears leaving the court. Uh, as you noted on your Twitter account, at Dan Beyer on Fox, me over at Swollen Dome, our boss, Scott Shapiro. This is a night where he's going, yeah, get rid of Butler. He's all excited. All of Minnesota is. Well, Let's I'm sure. For, yeah, yeah for, for this one, this all right, you saw a team, at least for this one moment, against a quality uh, opponent and Carl Anthony Towns coming up with a big performance as well. He finishes with 28 points, 16 boards in the dramatic win, and and we're seeing that norm again, though. Games finishing in the 120s. That's becoming the norm here in the NBA. How, how great is it that we're talking about a Jazz Timberwolves game on Halloween? How about that? I, I mean, and to see Derrick Rose in tears and to hear him in tears, amazing stuff. Yeah, we'll hear audio from Derrick Rose post game a little bit later on in the show as we celebrate another 50-point performance in this early 
part of the NBA season. We're going to see a lot of those this year, I think. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. But one of the highlights uh, in terms of lowlights, really, but one of the top stories of the day happened in Maryland where Coach DJ Durkin, who'd been on administrative leave as there are lots of investigation by the regents and, and board of directors and everybody in Maryland. He gets reinstated yesterday, and today he gets fired by the University of Maryland. This all stems from the death of Jordan McNair, uh, redshirt uh, freshman offensive lineman. Uh, he struggled to recover during a team workout, doing 110-yard sprints. And the family had announced in July that the cause of the death was determined to be heat stroke. And so the strength coach was out, uh, and you're starting to see the fallout. The president will resign. He'll leave his post. He'd spoken out about maybe the need to separate from Coach Durkin, but they decided to reinstate him after many meetings, many many months-long meetings and back and forth that, that go through, and the recommendation was to put him back on the sideline. Social media response. Players on the team on social media talking about how they nobody is being held accountable for the loss of their teammate and friend. You had the student government finally meeting with the leaders on campus, the governor of the state of Maryland chiming in to the uh, and they the backlash. I don't understand how in all of these meetings and all of these discussions, Dan, you could in good conscience come to a decision to. Not, not knowing that the backlash was going to be there. It had already been there for a couple of months because of your inactivity, right? All the, the details of the incident, egregious mis, misuse of, of every type of resource that you have available to you as a college football program with, in terms of your strength staff, your medical atten- attention to him was deficient, and, and that's borne out in all the details that have come forward. But that you go through all of this process and you decide, no, it will we'll reinstate him. And then just because of Twitter and the governor coming out a day later, you decide to fire him. It's like it, it seemed you, you were cowardice in terms of how you handled your your school and in your resources and everything and thought what you thought it was going to blow over. That he would well, be able to go back on the sideline and that there wouldn't be more questions why ever, and anger. Why everybody else heard it, but they didn't is amazing to me. I mean, we're across the country and in Los Angeles and in Pac-12 country, if you will. And we even saw the response of what Maryland football was and is without DJ Durkin and, and what his legacy, if you will, or lasting mark has been on that program. Why they are meeting and I mean the Maryland administration, why they are meeting with Athletic Director Damon Evans and also meeting with DJ Durkin to decide whether they should come back is beyond me. Why, as you said, instead of looking within, why aren't you looking without? Or look, you know, looking outside. That's where it's just such a head-scratcher to hear that three players walked out of the meeting when they found out that Durkin was going to be back not a good sign. By the way, this Maryland football team, not bad. Playing five, pretty well. Five and three, a win yep. over Texas, three and two in the Big Ten. Another win, they get uh, bowl, bowl eligible. eligible. Sure. So 
So obviously this 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 culture is is gone all right with DJ Durkin, but to sit there and, and look at this case as let's make sure that we have got all the information so we don't wrongly dismiss him is absurd, considering that there isn't a parent, I think, around the country that would be willing to send their kid to Maryland and play under DJ Durkin after the lack of responsibility taken for the death of a former player. So whatever they would have had to have paid at a buyout, Mike, would have been worth and will be worth the damage that would have kept him, that would have been done if they would have kept him on staff. And I just don't know how you don't see what's going on. Maybe it's a force in the trees. You know, you know, you're too close to it. So you think that can't be happening because there was the huge ESPN report, the toxicity, and that launched another internal investigation. That was early August. So right as you're getting ready for your first game, this starts breaking of treatment of players and, and how from the strength coach and coach Durkin, how toxic it was having him away. They're playing. They were playing good football. They're not great. And even last year you saw signs that, there's talent on this team, but it never coalesced. And you always wonder why that doesn't come to fruition consistently. And there's a million reasons. But then you have this story that broke with all of the details that that roll through. And you have meeting after meeting after meeting. And you're convening and you're getting all these details. You come to a decision. Stick with your decision. right? Yeah. The backlash, if people decide they want to boycott, people want to go and they want to protest outside your office, they like do want to go like politicians and follow you to a restaurant. You know what? You made a decision. Own it. You don't go and say, oh, no, hey, we got this many clicks and Twitter backlash. Oh, and the governor hates us now. Oh, no. I mean, come on. But have some conviction. If you decided if you decided based on your findings in all these meetings that it wasn't enough to terminate him. A couple of tweets and the associated student government was enough to overturn that. And how did you not have those meetings with those people before you came to the decision to reinstate? The timelines are just, they make the decision making all the way through makes no sense. That's my problem with it, of of how you don't gauge the interest, how there's like floaters put put out there being like, hey, DJ Durkin may get his job back. Why don't you send that out a week ago or last Friday when you have this meeting? I have no problem. They made the. They ended up making the correct decision. Correct. So even though it was changed in 24 hours, look, you looked like idiots yesterday. At least you saved some face today. I don't think people are going to say like, well, geez, make up your mind, Marilyn. In this situation, I actually think they did the right thing because they got the right decision down. If they stick with DJ Durkin, your program is in serious trouble. Yeah, the toxicity. And you're going to have how many investigations, official or not? That will that will carry with the program so as lo- for as long as he's there. Yeah, you'd have right? you'd have transfers. You would have kids who didn't want to go there. You would have a disinterested student uh, body that wouldn't want to take part. Alumni would probably be ruined. Other than that, everything would have been great at Maryland if DJ Durkin stayed at head cash, as head coach. Cash walks away. I would love to have been in the room <laughs> when they made the decision. All right, coach, you're coming back. Just what led to that? <laughs> Yeah, like that's I, really the I I want the play by play of that. That's a thirty well, for thirty of me. Again, <laughs> in hearing what they said last Friday that they had really good meetings with the head coach. Well, of course he did. His job's on the line. Right. No, he's and his gonna, reputation's he's gonna on kiss the everybody's line. ass yeah. to keep his job. Of course it's going to I mean, be that's positive. Easy. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We're gonna turn back the clock and we're gonna bring in to do it our buddy Fox Sports. Fox Sports Radio, NBA insider, our buddy Chris Broussard. Chris, Derek Rose, turn back the clock day. Forget about dressing up as a superhero. 
He dressed up <laughs> as his, his old self. Right, right. It was great to see. Look, Derrick Rose, uh, and we'll see what type of year he has. And, and, you know, people forget a few years ago in New York, he actually played pretty well. Um, I think he averaged about 18 points a game. It wasn't the old Derrick Rose, but, you know, he put up pretty decent numbers. Derrick Rose was one of those guys, and, you know, Blake Griffin was kind of similar, in that they weren't really built for this new fangled NBA, you know, with all the three-point shooting and not as much isolation and things like that. And, of course, Tom Thibodeau is obviously the coach that Derrick Rose really thrived under, and he knows what to run for Rose to kind of get the best out of him. Now, I'm not saying he's the old Derrick Rose and we're going to start seeing this regularly, but the best scenario for Rose to play at his best, whatever that is nowadays, is under a coach like Tom Thibodeau. And you saw it tonight. And it's good to see because, I mean, guys imagine, you know, remember he was young when the injuries took him apart. Sure. And, and, you know, I mean, imagine being 25 years old and you were at the pinnacle of your, your job and your industry. And then all of a sudden you just become mediocre. Um, and that, that's tough to handle. And I know it was tough for him. He really never admitted that he wasn't the same player. He, Derek, I talked to him several times. He would always tell you he's back and he's as good as you, he used to be. And it was kind of sad because you know he's not. So it's good to see him have a night like tonight. We'll see how long you know he can play at a really high level. But it, it, it's good for him because he's a good kid. Coincidence or not that Rose has this night in Carl Anthony Towns is 28 and 16 with no Jimmy Butler. Is that a coincidence? <laughs> well, look, I mean, Jimmy Butler, that, whether he's really trying to or not, it's caused, it causes a problem with your teammate and with your team when you do what he's doing. Because even if it may totally be about the organization, and I know he's bothered that they haven't paid him uh, or, or set it up where they could pay him what he wanted to get. Um, but it's going to reflect on your teammates. Whenever you're talking about, I want out, then the natural feeling is, well, it's because of us. You know, you're talking about, I just want to win. Well, you're basically saying, I can't win with these guys. And so that's going to rub guys the wrong way. It's going to create tension. It's going to, you know, just create some issues there. Um, I, I said it before, and, and look, one executive told me a few weeks ago, he said when Butler was still holding out, he said, look, we have a saying, in the NFL, guys hold out. In the NBA, they act out, you know, because you really can't <laughs> yeah. hold out based on the, the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement. But, Jim, it depends on who you talk to, because I've talked to executives who've been, and I've asked them, hey, is Jimmy Butler, is this hurting his marketability and, you know, on the free, free agent market next summer and all that? And some guys are like, nah, you know, he, he's such a good player that, you know, this won't stop teams from being interested. And then others are like, yeah, I mean, you look at how he left Chicago, that they, they – they don't like him there. Uh, obviously, Minnesota, he's leaving in a bad way. USA Basketball, there were stories about him having an attitude that rubbed guys the wrong way. Um, so some guys don't like it. So it just depends on, on the front office. But I think the best thing for Jimmy Butler to do, if he wants to be traded, 
is to be a professional, show up, give 100%, play well, and help the Timberwolves to the best record they could have. And the bottom line is if you still tell them, look, I'm just not going to sign. You're being a professional. You're being a good guy. But you're like, I'm not going to resign. I still want to be traded. They're going to have to trade you before the deadline because they're not just going to sit there and let you walk away for nothing. So you'll get your wish in February, but you got to be a good guy. You're not helping yourself right now by, you know, and I know he denied the reports. We'll see what's really true. Um, if he's going to sit out for a while or if he's going to play Friday. But whatever the case, it's just not a good look, and it does turn at least some teams off. Fox Sports Radio, Jason Smith show with Mike Harmon. Dan Byer in for Jason Smith this evening. On the hotline with us, our teammate here at Fox Sports Radio. You hear him on the odd couple alongside Rob Parker each and every night, 4 to 7 Pacific, 7 to 10 Eastern time. Founder of the King Movement on Twitter at Chris underscore Broussard. It's Chris Broussard with us here talking all things NBA. And we were talking a little bit earlier, Chris, uh, the Houston Rockets, one of the teams where there's potential trade-off out there. We've heard about the four first-round picks. You've got Miami perhaps interested in obtaining the services of Butler. Let's focus on Houston for a moment. Uh, This roster got old and slow pretty fast, and they're getting run out of the gym. Yeah, and I don't want to say it's, I don't think it's age, but they, look, Mike D'Antoni, we all know he's never been a defensive coach. Sure. Last year he had Jeff Bizdelic, who was their uh, defensive coordinator, if you will, and used to be a head coach in Denver, longtime NBA assistant coach. And he really did a great job with that defense. You obviously also had guys like Trevor Reza and Luke Bamute, who are defensive specialists. And that's where Houston really – their extra progress. Now, obviously, they were still great offensively, but they were sixth in the league in defensive efficiency. And that's why they really were able to challenge uh, Golden State. Now, you bring in a Mel- Carmelo, you lose those defensive players, and it's just not the same. And then you don't have a coach on the staff that's really a defensive specialist. Obviously, they got guys that deal with it to some degree, but that, those are the problems. Now, I'm, it's early. I'm not ready to write the Houston Rockets off at all. Um, if I were them, you know, one of the holdups with a Butler trade reportedly is that they wouldn't offer Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon's an important player to the way they play. He's a three-point shooter. He can give you 18, 20 points a game off the bench. I would not include him with the way that they play. I would not include him in a trade for Jimmy Butler. Now, if this goes on for three or four weeks, and in three or four weeks you haven't really improved and you're still losing and Gordon's not playing at the high level he was the past few seasons, then you rethink it and I may throw him in that type of move. But right now I don't think they need to panic, and uh, I believe this team will get it together. Chris, what situation's worse, Houston or what's happening with the Wizards who are one and six and a lot of it's the Wizards. Score. Yeah, it's the Wizards. Um, there are people that will tell you John Wall is just what well, he's not in shape. Uh, he, he, you know, the teammates, it's just issues with him and some of them. Um, and they, they, I mean, they're, they've underachieved for years, years. I mean, they have one of the best backcourts in the league in Wall and Beal. 
and they continue to underachieve year after year after year. Houston has the talent, the scheme, and everything that tells you they'll get back to being a really good team. Washington, there's really no re- – I mean, they do have talent, and on paper you like them, but they're just a mess. That's all there is to it. And they have like seven free agents. And so a lot of these free agents are looking at their numbers for free agency to see, you know, they will obviously want to get as much money as they can. And it's interesting because there are some players that will tell you, look, when you're on a team, the front office tells you don't worry about the numbers. It's all about winning. That's all that matters. And then when you become a free agent and you sit down with these teams and you've helped the team win or whatever, they say, yeah, but you only average nine points a game or you only, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. then they're looking at the numbers. And, and so that can create a problem when you have that many free agents who obviously want to get paid in the offseason. So they got some issues there, and uh, I, they're going to get somewhat better. They're not going to be, you know, winning a 20% clip for the rest of the season, but – uh, they're not going to live up to their potential and certainly not going to really be a threat to win the Eastern Conference. I love it. Chaos as we exit October. Chris Broussard, our teammate here, Fox Sports Radio, The Odd Couple with Rob Parker, 4-7 to seven Pacific, 7-10 to 10 Eastern each and every night. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris underscore Broussard. Chris, as always, appreciate you. Go get your candy. All right, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Chris. Talk to you. See you tomorrow, Chris. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. All right. It is Halloween night, and some people Halloween is over, but it's always a family affair, so why not get the family together and play the feud? Yes, here we are, the Fox family, made up of Mike Harmon, Justin Frostberg, Alex Teichert, and Steve DeSager. Top 10 answers on the board, guys. Let's go. It is, Let's go. It yeah. is Halloween night. NFL teams with a black uniform. Yes, with a black uniform, a jersey. Let's start with Mike Harmon. Teams that have a black jersey. Quote the Raven. Nevermore. Oh, the Baltimore Nevermore. Ravens have black in their jersey. Heck, Ravens are black. Show me. Yeah, they are the Ravens. Yeah. It's a Halloween spooky feel yeah, with like the it. black uniform. There's also another reason why we're doing this. Let's go over to Justin Frostberg. Give me the Raiders. Oh, obviously, that's that's got to be the number one answer. Show me the Raiders. Yes, of course, they wear a black uniform, the silver and black commitment to excellence. Over to Alex Tyshirt, our technical producer. Dan, I got to go with the boys in black and yellow, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers in their home black unis. Show me the Steel City. There it is. Pittsburgh yeah. on our list. Three for three as we go over to Steve DeSager. <sighs> black uniforms. The Saints have a black uniform. The Saints, I think they do, do they? Obviously they do. Yes, they yes, wear it they at do. home. Sometimes they wear it on the road. But they do have a black uniform. Four for four. Ravens, Saints, Raiders, and Steelers. Ten NFL teams with a black home jersey over to Mike Harmon. How about when we do the Dirty Bird we go down to Atlanta? Oh, the Atlanta Falcons, which, by the way, they got to go one or the other. You got to go all black. You got to go all red like in the early 80s with Gerald Riggs. Nice. Show me the Falcons. None of this half and half stuff. Doesn't work. You got to go all in or go all out. Over to Justin Frostberg. We are five for five as the Falcons are on our list. Give me the Cardinals, Dan. Ooh, Nicely done, Justin. Yeah. You think of their red and their white. Do they have the alternate black uniform? Yes, they Ooh. do. The Arizona Cardinals on our list. 
Over to Alex Tyshirt. No strike so uh, far. Good job, guys. Dan, I'm going to try here. I hope I'm not struggling, but... Gronkowski. Let's try, <laughs> let's try the Bengals. Oh, the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are known for a lot. A great helmet, but a black jersey. Yes, there they are. The Cincinnati Woo. Bengals as well. So far, seven for seven. You guys are on a roll. By the way, the Bengals, same thing. Go all black or go all orange. Don't do this half and half stuff. Over to... Steve DeSager. Fire Lewis or get him a 50-year contract. Stop with this. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. That's something, <laughs> that's something completely well, we'll separate. We'll do that rant in a podcast yeah. later. I have seen Carolina wear black. Carolina Panthers with a black uniform. Show me. Carolina. Yes. Yeah, and there's a reason we're doing this. Carolina will wear all black nice. in week nine. Yes, the Panthers going with an all black uniform. The first time they've done that since 2015. Over to Mike Harmon. I know the 49ers have them in the NFL shop or used to. The San Francisco 49ers. Did we strike gold? You're right. They used to, but this year they ditched them for the white throwbacks. So oh, no you more. dirty, miserable. There is no more black uniform for the San Francisco 49ers. Over to Justin Frostberg. You know the Jags, Dan. I think the Jags got some black oh, in Jaguars. That's all they got left. Show me the Jaguars. There we are. All right. One answer left. Alex Tyshirt. All right. There we go. There we go. Oh, big boy. money, big money. No whammy, no whammy. Falcons, Cardinals, Ravens, Panthers, Bengals, Jaguars, Saints, Raiders, and Steelers with a black uniform. Dan, black this is jersey. a tough one. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to see this whole vibe you got going here too, because he sits on Halloween. Yes, that's that's there's got to be the somebody. Giants should be wearing black every Sunday for the rest of the season. <laughs> In the morning, no yes, question exactly. about it. Uh, five I, seconds, Big A. Five. I'm gonna go with the four, Lions, maybe three. Show me the Lions. Uh oh, Steve DeSager, it is all, on all you, Steve. up to you. I have seen Philadelphia wear black. If it's there, you go. There you go. You've got a Halloween victory. With the feud, show me Eagles. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Steve DeSager knocks it out of the park as we're victorious on the feud. Black uniforms celebrating Halloween. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, 
the Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.